bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Paul Dragu. Democrats have figured out how to hit two birds with one stone. We can solve our migrant invasion and army recruitment problems by allowing illegals in the United States military. That's their plan. Also, Microsoft has been partnering with the Chinese Communist Party to create propaganda. And we have some bad news on the carbon capture pipeline battlefront. We have those stories coming up, plus a discussion with the CEO of the John Birch Society about how Europeans push back on the Green Revolution serves as more proof that we can win. But first, if there was anything positive about the COVID-19 pandemic, it's that it woke up a lot of people. It was a clear demonstration that ruthless world government schemers will stop at nothing to disrupt, dominate, and ultimately depopulate the planet. The question now is, what grand diabolic scheme can we expect from them next? Here at The New American, we don't have a crystal ball, but fortunately, we don't need one. After all, the few who were watching deep state machinations in the fall of 2019 probably saw COVID mania coming. Only weeks before the Rona burst onto the scene, Germ gamers at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security held Event 201, a tabletop simulation in which they conducted a what-if scenario involving a then-hypothetical Chinese coronavirus. They imagined implementing a worldwide health policy of global lockdowns and misinformation censorship. But this wasn't the first germ game that insiders played. Back in 2001, Johns Hopkins, which by the way has collaborated with the Rockefeller Foundation for more than 100 years, hosted the Dark Winter Simulation. Dark Winter depicted an outbreak of smallpox released by Al-Qaeda terrorists in U.S. shopping malls. As it so happens, within three months, in real life, Americans were reeling from the 9-11 attacks and the U.S. Postal Service was delivering letters with anthrax. And in 2005, Johns Hopkins repeated their smallpox exercise with Atlantic Storm which called for vast expansion of the regulatory authority of international bodies like the World Health Organization and NATO. Next came the 2017 SPARS training exercise at Johns Hopkins. That committee's findings read like a COVID-19 playbook. The Doomsday Gang also hosted CLADX, a 2018 scenario involving a fast-moving respiratory virus gene-edited in a lab with CRISPR technology. The anticipated result of that fictitious pandemic was a shattered global economy and a nationalized healthcare system in the U.S. And just last year, Johns Hopkins struck again with an exercise called Catastrophic Contagion held at the World Health Organization. Participants discussed a fabricated disease called Sears. They described it as having a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. Now that the COVID scare is over, what scheme will the globalists try next to finally lock those shackles on all of us? In the early days of COVID mania, World Economic Forum head man Klaus Schaub published the book COVID-19, The Great Reset, in which he raved about the transformative potential of the global crisis. The book indicated that viruses are only one arrow in the quiver of would-be world despots. Other planned shafts include the climate crisis, food instability, and perhaps most frightening of all, water security. Last year, Schwab's World Economic Forum launched a major initiative called the New Economics of Water. 
at the commission's opening meeting, economics professor Mariana Mazzucato of the University College London said that water needs to be seen as a common good. And its management, she said, must be corrected because the private sector is making such a muck of it. Here she is talking about weaponizing water for political purposes. That's also, of course, true with COVID, right? We are all only as healthy as our neighbor is on our street, in our city, in our region, in our nation, and globally. And did we solve that? Like, did we actually manage to vaccinate everyone in the world? No. So highlighting water as a global commons and what it means to work together and see it both out of that kind of global commons perspective, but also the self-interest perspective, because it is it does have that parallel. It's not only important, but it's also important because we haven't managed <laughs> to solve those problems, with, which had similar attributes. And water is something that people understand. You know, climate change is a bit abstract. Some people understand it really well. Some understand it a bit. Some just don't understand it. Water, every kid knows how important it is to have water. When you're playing football and you're thirsty, <laughs> you need water. So there's also something about really getting citizen engagement around this and really in some ways experimenting with this notion of the common good. Can we actually deliver this time in ways that we have failed miserably other times? And hopefully we won't keep failing on the other things, but anyway. So we didn't meet our goal of mass depopulation with COVID and the climate change scam may fall through. So let's go for the jugular and control water. And that's exactly what has been announced at the UN Climate Conference COP28, which is happening in Dubai now. Water is a high level priority at COP28. And here at home, Michelle Grisham, the Democrat governor of New Mexico, announced this week a first-of-its-kind strategic water supply initiative. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce's senior vice president of policy, Marty Durbin, praised Grisham during Tuesday's session. He said, The governor recognizes the important nexus between water challenges and clean energy production, especially in arid parts of the world. The United Arab Emirates is also highlighting the issue with a pledge of $150 million for so-called water security. So joining me to discuss today's stories are Editor-in-Chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit, and John Birch Society researcher, Peter Rykowski. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey. Great to be on. So, so, Peter, what can you tell us about the existing water issues that we already have here in the U.S.? Because this seems like a like if they, they would more likely exploit an already existing problem as opposed to causing one co like climate change. Right, yeah. Yeah, they definitely are exploiting an, an, an existing problem. And water has been an issue in this country in the last few years. So for example, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor, 36% uh, of the lower 48 states are classified as being under drought right now. And last year, we saw Lake Mead and Lake Powell mm -hmm. out in Nevada. They were at record low levels. Yeah. And in California, California is a very interesting case. Uh, they've had water shortages for the last several years, but a lot of that has been caused or mm. exacerbated by government. Yeah. So for example, earlier this year, California received r huge amounts of rain uh, because of a few major storm systems. And I think they got $32 trillion uh, tons of rain that fell, but 95% of that flowed right into the oceans. The um, state failed to capture, capture that, and which is very interesting because the state government, the State Water Resources Control Board, that they're in charge of that. They're in control of water usage, water storage. They allowed most of that to flow into the oceans, largely for environmental reasons. <laughs> they They want the water to go into the oceans to protect various species of fish. Yeah. that the environmentalists care about. And yeah. then I also want to point out that California, they could easily build uh, desalinization plants. 
to take the ocean water, take the salt out of it, make it drinkable. But environmentalists don't want that. They think that it's dangerous to the uh, ocean life yeah. near California. Well, so, well, what about what's dangerous to people and, and, and what benefits people? What do you think of all this, Gary? Well, I think uh, people are far more important than the supposed endangered species that are used as pretext for restricting water. But in Northern California, uh, in particular, I know of one ranch uh, that is now being fined uh, $10,000 per day by the, uh, by the government uh, because there is a stream that, uh, that runs through that ranch. Yeah. And uh, they're using the water in the stream for uh, cattle, and supposedly they're, they're not supposed to do that. So that's just one example of what is happening to the uh, food industry under the pretext of uh, uh, protecting the, uh, uh, the water supply. And in that part of Northern California, the, uh, the, they're also targeting dams. And I know at least one dam has been destroyed, and they want to uh, destroy uh, other dams uh, as well. And uh, if this goes through, ranching in that part of Northern California uh, will simply become impossible to do. Yeah. And, of course, that is going to uh, directly impact cattle and uh, by extension will impact uh, the, the beef that we have. And uh, you can't help thinking that this is by design because obviously part of uh, what the global elitists want to accomplish is to lower us in terms of the, yeah. the food tra- chain, what we're able to eat and have us eat uh, bugs instead of meat. Well, I would say that that example you provided of the ranch sounds like exactly what, how they intend to control water. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Peter. Folks, for more news, and in-depth analysis from the New American Magazine, the kind that you can't get anywhere else. Make sure you get a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth about the attacks on our nation from within and without since 1985. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than the New American. You get a subscription at thenewamerican.com, hit the magazine tab, and then subscribe on the drop-down. If you prefer, you can call 1-800-727-8783. Up next... Just when they think Democrats can't be any bolder in their mission to destroy this nation, they prove us wrong. Freedom is the cure. You're dead on. This is the largest experiment performed on human beings in the history of the world. The more you know. What they're doing is they're forcing vaccination on people. And I believe they are killing people with this vaccination. The freer you are. It's murder. They are basically murdering people in hospitals. The all-cause mortality we know is now higher in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Stay informed on the issues that affect freedom. Get a subscription to The New American today. TheNewAmerican.com Welcome back, folks. So Democrats have an answer for the invasion they helped create at the southern border as well as one for the army recruitment problems their insane ideas have caused. But first, you should probably know that the migrant invasion has somehow managed to get even worse. It's the nightmare that never ends. Border Patrol encountered 12,000 illegal aliens at the southern border on Tuesday. This is the largest number of illegal crossings ever recorded in a single day. Fox reporter Bill Malugin reported on this from Lukeville, Arizona. 
Behind him stood a massive line of illegals at the border, all young men, all waiting to be processed and dispersed throughout the United States. Also on Tuesday, Malugin posted a video on X of a large group of illegal aliens slipping through a breach in the border wall in Lukeville. For our listening audience, the video playing is showing men, women, and children passing through the opening of a border wall. And here, at the end of the clip, a mass smuggler looks directly at Malugin's camera, he shrugs, and then he mockingly salutes him. Now, this is indeed a tragic, tragic joke. Now, here is Malugin reporting yesterday for Fox News from the same location. Here in Lukeville, we are quite literally in the middle of nowhere, two and a half hours to the closest major city. Thousands are crossing here illegally every day, and the situation is completely unsustainable. We'll step out, give you a look at the scene here. This is a mass of hundreds upon hundreds of people who have crossed the border illegally and are camped out here at the border wall, waiting to be apprehended by Border Patrol. You'll quickly notice these are all single adult Man, there is not a single woman or child in this group you're looking at. And these guys are coming in from all over the world. Large amounts of African men from Senegal, from Guinea, from Mauritania, from Egypt, others from the Middle East, others from Asia. So what are we going to do with all these illegal aliens? Well, on Monday, Democrats reveal their plan. We need to allow these good law-breaking citizens into the United States military. Now, if you haven't already heard of this insane proposition, you might think we're spreading misinformation. So here's Democratic Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois proposing this insane idea Monday on the Senate floor. What troubles me about the debate now about the southern border is it is one half of the immigration equation. Yes, we need order at the border. Yes, we need to have changes in the laws that reflect the reality of the overwhelming numbers from all over the world who are coming to our, our shores and our border. But there is also an incredible demand for legal immigration into this country even now. The presiding officer, my colleague from the state of Illinois, has legislation which addresses one aspect of that. Her bill, and I hope I describe it accurately, says that if you are an undocumented person in this country, and you can pass the physical and the required test, background test, the like. You can serve in our military, and if you do it honorably, we will make you citizens of the United States. Do we need that? Do you know what the recruiting numbers are at the Army and the Navy and the Air Force? They can't reach their quotas each month. They can't find enough people to join our military forces. And there are those who are undocumented who want the chance to serve and risk their lives for this country. Should we give them the chance? I think we should. Peter, what bill is Durbin talking about? Well, Durbin, he actually seems to be conflating two different bills. Uh, one of them is the Enlist Act, which is sponsored by Tammy Duckworth, which is who is the other U.S. senator from Illinois. And that would allow non-citizens in the U.S. who have been in this country for five years, including illegals in the DACA program that Obama created, and also illegals who have been basically given amnesty through the temporary uh, prote protected status program. It would allow them to join the U.S. military and serve. And then there's also the Veterans Visa and Protection Act, which also uh, Tammy Duckworth is sponsored. Durbin is a co-sponsor of this bill, and it would allow... Uh, illegal aliens, not only to be in the military, but also uh, protecting them from being deported from the U.S. and then giving them or giving them a path to citizenship. So a de facto 
yeah. amnesty for illegals. So those are the two bills that he's basically referring to in that speech. Do we have any idea what, what kind of support or lack of there is, where it is? Where, is it just in its introductory state, stages, I suppose? Yeah, it's been, it's been introduced. It hasn't yeah. gone anywhere yet. Uh, it's tough to see them going anywhere, assuming the filibuster stays in place. Yeah. But I did read, though, that one of those two bills, the Enlist Act, mm. uh, Tammy Duckworth did get input from Senate Republicans when drafting the bill. None of them signed on to the bill, yeah. but she seems to have discussed the bill yeah. with them first. Gary, this is this is insane. What kind of soldiers would uh, law-breaking illegals make? And I, I can't imagine seeing everything that we've seen thus far, the, the government's uh, potential and uh, and willingness to weaponize against the United States uh, against its citizens. What's to say that you know they wouldn't weaponize the U.S. military against its citizens? Well, uh, the short answer is yes. They they would do exactly that because our leaders are not operating to put America first. Uh, they're operating against the best interests of our country, uh, of the Constitution, and mm -hmm. obviously the soldiers who would uh, come in who are illegal aliens and become part of the military. Yeah. Uh, obviously, those aliens would not be people who would have assimilated. Right. Uh, who have a, an understanding of, of, uh, patriotic of the country and our laws and yeah. whatnot. And, and, of course, it was pointed out in the news report from Fox that they're coming from all over the the world, uh, you know, including China and elsewhere, and and, and uh, you know, uh, where are their allegiances? Uh, allegiances would, would the would their allegiance be to the Constitution? Yeah, or would they be to some other uh, foreign power? And would they uh, sabotage the uh, the military efforts? So it is very scary. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I know uh, when we were not being recorded uh, and we we're having a little chat, Peter. Uh, you mentioned mentioned uh, ancient Rome, and uh, if you don't mind repeating that, because there's some lessons uh, to learn yeah, from ancient Rome. Huh, Peter? Is very powerful. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of historical precedent for what we're seeing now with the border, with our mass migration crisis, and a lot of that we we saw with the Roman Empire. Uh, the, Rome was ultimately overrun and disintegrated because of the barbarian invasions, the Germanic tribes, and the late 300s, 400s AD, but that originally started for because of humanitarian reasons. Uh, specifically, Same thing Yeah, specifically the Visigothic uh, Germanic tribes, they requested asylum to live in the Roman Empire because they were being harassed by the Huns, another uh, barbarian tribe. And the Roman Emperor at the time, Valens, he had sympathy on them and gave them permission to settle in the empire but what happened was they they remained a nation within, within a, a nation, yeah. and they did not assimilate. They had no loyalty or respect for the Roman customs, for the Roman government. Yeah. And only two years after being let in, they revolted. It led to the Battle of Adrianople, which is usually considered the, when the point where the Roman Empire really started to disintegrate. And just a few years later, they sacked the city of Rome itself. Yeah. So the we really see strong precedent uh illustrating the dangers of the mass mm. migration that we're seeing in our country today. The, the only thing I worry about, though, is, or that I, not worry, but I, I, I wonder is, was that deliberate? Because here we have great suspicion that this is deliberate. And I think we need to also step back and, and this is, I'm, I'm going to state the obvious, but I think we lose track of that sometimes. I think if you step back and you see what is happening, one way or another, the U.S. government is compliant in this invasion. You know, if they're not fully coordinating this, which I believe they could be, then they are at least allowing and that would also make them compliant. Now, we are having a massive demographic change. And the thing about it is, 
If they were to take a vote just on this, the American people would say no. So this flies in the face of self-governance. And I think if we had any semblance of justice that were to prevail within any time within the future, there would be an investigation and there would likely be some sort of criminal indictments. What do you think, Gary? Well, hopefully it would be more than just an investigation and hopefully it would include criminal indictments. But the bottom line is the fix is in at the top yeah and the fix will remain at the top until enough people get involved in the freedom fight to force a change to force our elected officials to start obeying the constitution Thanks, once again yeah absolutely all right folks the new american has just published our latest collector's edition bookazine and it's called self-reliance foundation of freedom now, if we don't practice individual responsibility and provide for ourselves without government help we cannot be free this Polished Collector's Edition includes articles on a number of topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics. We encourage you to get a copy. It'll make a great stocking stuffer. You can order copies at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office 800-727-8783. After this, a court has sided with a carbon capture pipeline company in Iowa, and it turns out that Bill Gates' Microsoft has had a cushy relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration, Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the U.S. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control. Immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at thenewamerican.com slash out of control. It turns out Microsoft has partnered with the Chinese Communist Party in a joint effort to create propaganda. According to documents obtained by the Washington Free Beacon, Microsoft collaborated with state-run Chinese media outlets to propagandize the Chinese people. The agreements signed in 2016 and 2018 were not widely reported outside of China. They included Microsoft providing technology to China Daily to target potential readers. It also provided an artificial intelligence bot to People's Daily, which is controlled and censored by the Chinese Communist Party. The deals allow Microsoft into the Chinese market with the company aiming to deepen its presence and contribute to the country's scientific research. Now, Microsoft has a history of partnerships with Chinese entities going back to the 1990s, and there's little evidence to suggest this will end anytime soon. In 2021, the president of Microsoft's China praised the, the country as the most dynamic and innovative place in the world and even applauded its draconian COVID pandemic response. That same year, communist dictator Xi Jinping visited Microsoft's headquarters in Redmond, Washington to discuss global collaboration in healthcare, energy, and data sciences. And just yesterday, Microsoft President Brad Smith met with China's Minister of Commerce to discuss topics ranging from artificial intelligence to trade relations between Washington and Beijing. 
Now, news of Microsoft facilitating CCP propaganda comes as no surprise. The software company's co-founder, Bill Gates, has had a soft spot for China. He has praised the authoritarian regime multiple times. Xi, in turn, regards Gates as an old friend. Here's Gates and Xi during a meeting five months ago. Very honored uh, to have this chance to meet. Uh, and we've always had great conversations and uh, we'll have a, a lot of important topics uh, to discuss today. I was very disappointed I couldn't come uh, during these last four years. Uh, and so it's very exciting to be back. There at the end, the communist dictator called Bill Gates an old friend. All right, gentlemen, so I don't know how long it's going to take before the mainstream realizes that um, Bill Gates is a nefarious actor in global politics. Um, I think about how the Rockefellers, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the Rockefellers had a really bad name there after a while because of what Standard Oil did. Uh, uh, the corruption and the cutthroat tactics that it used to squeeze out its competition. So they hired like a PR firm and they started partaking in all these philanthropic endeavors. And that in itself, they kind of whitewashed um, their name or uh, his name. This is the same kind of things these billionaires do. Behind the scenes, they're working, they're working with dictators. And meanwhile, on the front, uh, they're, they're, they're putting millions of dollars in global health. What do you think of this, Gary? <laughs> well, I, I think in order to understand what's going on, what you have to realize is, is that the people in pinstripes and uh, the, the people in red, so to speak, uh, the communists, uh, they have a lot in common uh, in that uh, they both want to create a global monopoly with themselves uh, in power. Mm. Uh, you know, there are different forms of, of capitalism. Uh, there are people who believe in free enterprise, and, and people may, may have benefited from pre, uh, free enterprise. But once they uh, But they've climbed to the, the top, so to speak, and they want mon monopolistic power. They want total control. And so they have no problems working with the, the communists, uh, just like Bill Gates has no problems working with Xi. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Let's look at our final story. So on Monday, a federal judge permanently barred Iowa Story and Shelby counties from enforcing ordinances that protect the residents' lives and property from dangerous carbon dioxide pipelines. The issue here is planned pipeline systems intended to transport liquefied carbon dioxide captured from ethanol plants throughout the Corn Belt and then stored deep underground. Now, the county ordinances established minimum siting distances to protect homes, schools, churches, and parks. And the minimum distances are considered critical because of the imminent danger that liquefied carbon dioxide poses when it leaks. One of the companies proposing the pipelines, Summit Carbon Solutions, filed two lawsuits against the counties, arguing that the federal government regulates pipeline safety. Chief Judge Stephanie Rose of the Federal Southern District of Iowa granted judgments in favor of summit in both suits. In her Shelby County decision, she wrote that the county ordinances prevent summit from constructing a pipeline as if that's a bad thing. Summit has made the same argument in North and South Dakota, but their public utilities commissions have denied the company's public uh, permit applications. So guys, this is something that uh, of course we've been keeping track on. Uh, I would boast 
that the John Birch Society's uh, field staff has been probably the first on the scene to warn about these carbon capture pipelines. They are, of course, an, an arm um, of the larger Agenda 2030 scheme. Um, it's a setback. Iowa was always, uh, or not always, but Iowa was considered a pretty, uh, there were some challenges there to begin with. So we're going to keep an eye on this, but this is certainly uh, by no means uh, a final defeat or anything like that. Yeah, it's going to be appealed to the Eighth Circuit Court. Oh, it is? Right. Okay. So th the battle isn't going to end here, but I also want to add that under the U.S. Constitution, the federal government doesn't even have authority to regulate pipelines or to mandate what counties can or cannot do. So to have a federal court ruling on this issue uh, really shows how far we've strayed from the U.S. Constitution. Well, there was a there was a ruling, and man, it kind of escapes mine. It wasn't necessarily a ruling. It was a letter from a federal agency that essentially told, I believe it was Summit, and we're going to have Bill Hahn on this, and maybe he'll clear up some things, but it basically told them that the, the, the government, I don't, I, was it that they, they were not in the, in the business of citing, or, uh, because that was something that was supposed to be left on the local level. Does that ring a bell to you, Gary? Yes, it does. I, I do think that is uh, accurate, but uh, even if the federal government or if the federal courts were to say otherwise, there's always nullification, because the... Uh, uh, obviously, the, the bureaucrats are way beyond the uh, the boundaries of the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, yeah. Now, Peter, what else do we know uh, about what's happening there? I remember I, I had interviewed uh, Steve Kankel, which I get is is actually a commissioner over there in Shelby County. So we might end up bringing him back. But this was one of the ways they weren't necessarily he wasn't admitting that that we're going to look to block them with these ordinances. But they were just this was one way to make sure that they can't come through, or at least not their proposed uh, scheme anyway. Right, yeah, so his, his uh, method of uh, taking action against the pipelines was having ordinances mandating that if the pipelines are built, they need to respect the wishes of the property owners in the county, and also the pipelines need to be set back from mm. things like municipalities, from schools, right, right. Uh, things like that. Yeah. So huge protections for the property owners, for residents, in terms of safety as well, because the carbon capture, carbon capture pipelines are notoriously unsafe. They have safe, various safety issues well, with well, them. Not anymore, Peter. They <laughs> now they say. No. I mean, one one example is the um, the explosion in Mississippi. I don't know how to pronounce that city. It's like Saris something. It starts with an S. And it exploded, and fortunately, people smelled it or whatnot. But some people are still suffering from that. But if you ask Summit Carbon Solutions and Navigator, which I think has pulled out out of several states, they'll tell you that they fixed those uh, those issues. Uh, are you convinced, Gary? Is it okay now? No, I am not. But uh, but I, you know, I think another issue too is should there be these carbon capture programs to begin with? And obviously, if these programs uh, need to exist, if there were a need for them. Uh, obviously, it should be done safely, right? Yeah. But why on earth are we taking the gas for life? Uh, why do we want to take that out of the atmosphere? Uh, why do we want to prevent it from going to into the atmosphere uh, to begin with? It, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, again, unless you realize the fix is in at the top and that this is part of a broader scheme to try to uh, reduce the affluent American lifestyle. Yeah. Peter, do we have any legislative alerts or uh, any information at JBS.org related to this? I imagine we do. We have an action project. It's part of the, is it the War on Farmers? Yeah, Stop the War on Farmers, part of our Stop Agenda 2030 action project. And this past year, there were 
four or five states that introduced legislation to ban eminent domain for these carbon capture pipelines. Iowa was one of them. I, the bill passed the state house, but it stalled in the state Senate. So we're looking to have that reintroduced and hopefully get enacted into law yeah. there in Iowa. And we'll be covering that on JBS.org as it happens. Yeah. And again, you go JBS.org, uh, take action, and there you'll see uh, Agenda 2030, a war on farmers. After this, the CEO of JBS joins us to share good news in Europeans' battle against the Green Revolution. Home, food, protection, daily necessities for your family. There are many that want you to depend on them for these things. Don't fall for the trap. Stay self-reliant. Get a copy of our latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance. Learn about the necessity of self-reliance for a free people and basic tips on how to get there. Never give up hope. So join me for the action portion of the show is the CEO of the John Birch Society, Bill Hahn. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me back. Oh, yeah. So I understand that uh, we actually have a bit of good news. We don't want to exaggerate the good news, but <laughs> we keep eyes on this. And and, and we want to point out that this is obviously uh, not useless. We're not fighting. Uh, <laughs> we're not fighting an unwinnable fight. So what do you got for us, sir? Very true. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're always about action. Right, because we we, we we want to, to win this war, and uh, the best thing to do, I think, is to uh, you know really get a get a shot in the arm of uh, you know for folks to see that there's there's hope out there. Yeah, and it doesn't always necessarily come from within our country. So, uh, what was pointed out to me this morning uh, was that the the Gateway pundit had uh, reported uh, this this article, and I'll just quickly read the the headline. It says, European Parliament rejects landmark legislation in the EU's agriculture reforms. And the subhead is climate alarmism is losing ground as economic situation deteriorates. No kidding. Now. <laughs> you mean the reality? <laughs> when reality sets in, right? Yeah. And, you know, what, what they're beginning to see is that, you know, <laughs> this global governance is not popular. You know, people people don't want to feel the pinch of you know of all these policies. Yeah. But yet, that's exactly what's happening. Things are deteriorating in such a manner. So let me let me just get into it a little bit. And it says within this uh, this uh, global or excuse me the the Gateway Pundit uh, article it says here from the Washington Examiner they reported nearly 300 votes against only 207 in favor. Those were the final results of a vote in the European Parliament on the Sustainable Use of Pesticides Directive the landmark legislation of the EU's agricultural reforms. It says the plans would have cut back on pesticide and fertilizer use as well as shifted a major part of Europe's farmland use to organic. Now, if this would have gone through, mm. they would have followed a similar path than what has happened at Sri Lanka. Yeah. Okay, you remember that? We we talked about that. Well, before. I mean they collapsed. It was all over the news. The Absolutely. whole thing collapsed. Yeah. They went all organic and then reality set in and they realized they can't feed everyone. Yeah. Even the organic farmers are like, Whoa, you, you you guys cannot go on such a quick you know, a quick turnaround like this. Yeah. There's no way that it'll that it'll work. Mm -hmm. You know? So 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 is this um does this include some of the Scandinavian countries? We've been following, obviously, the Dutch, uh, Belgium. It's not a Scandinavian country, but that's another one. I think there's quite a few countries there, but we know there's a movie, was it Nitrogen 2000, that did a really good yeah. job outlining these people's struggles and their pushback. Well, abs absolutely. You know, and 
they were part of the the whole you know agenda 2030 uh push that the eu was was really cranking down on yeah on those folks and uh you know as the as the article also mentions it says the uh, the eu pushed such uh, questionable laws as uh, those favoring renewable energy resources or excuse me renewing renewable energy sources energy efficiency a carbon border tax and the delusional as they say end of the combustion engine okay mm. so and also we're starting to see some of that here in the in, in the u.s but nonetheless the the folks in the in the eu are a lot further ahead and down the road as, as you know than than we are i was going to say that yeah so yeah. so they are the model and so we are beginning to see exactly you know really what's what's going on the curtain has kind of been pulled back a little bit so we could see you know really the the, the goings on and so they're not you know the the only ones either uh, when you look a little bit further in, into the article, they also have, uh, you know, related links uh, back over to articles that are basically pointing out what's going on in Canada. So just a couple of, of headlines here. It says uh, Canada's provincial premiers form a rare united front against Justin Trudeau's carbon tax. Okay. And then uh, a few weeks later, climate alarm, alarmism fail. Justin Trudeau's signature carbon tax is rejected by majority of voters as Canadian families struggle financially. So this whole, you know, carbon tax, climate action, uh, you know, kind of, kind of stuff is all okay in until. theory <laughs> until it ha it hits the wallets of the, of the taxpayers of these, of the families of the country. If, if only there was an organization <laughs> who <laughs> exactly. had been warning that this would yes. come. And, and I know we're not the only ones. I'm not gonna, we're not going to sit here pounding our chest, right. but this right. is, this is, this was clear, clearly where this was going to go. You can't take out fossil fuels and expect to heat homes in the Netherlands <laughs> with wind turbines, yeah. you know, and, and solar panels and things like that. I understand the Germans are especially suffering too. Mm -hmm. I know that's that's not in there. So this, hopefully, you know, the Europeans, like you said, are ahead. So maybe in this yeah. instance, we can learn from them and prevent us from even getting there, right? Right, and, and you, you are starting to, I mean, these leaders are starting to, to say this stuff, not because they, they um, it's not necessarily what they want to, to do. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, push, the pushback comes from the people. Yeah. Right? And it's starting to percolate through. And as a matter of fact, you know, you talked about the Dutch. Their recent elections have, have given them a new prime minister and a new parliament. Yeah. You know, that's, that will hopefully be a little bit more sympathetic to the cause of the, uh, you know, of the farmers. Yeah. And, and I mean, when they start to, to see things like, okay, so, so there's 50,000, uh, you know, farms on, uh, in, in the Netherlands, uh, and a third of those are supposed to just disappear and, and go away. I mean, that's, you know, what, what is that? It's 18,000 you know, yeah. farms. And they're one of the most productive the countries. Second in, only to the United States. That's crazy because they're so much smaller than us. Yes. That is highly efficient. So, you know, much like our founding fathers, uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson said that if a nation expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, in a state of civilization, it expects what never was yeah. and never will be. Mm -hmm. They understood the value of an electorate that held their representatives accountable. Right. We are starting to see that, you know, throughout throughout the world. So, but you know, you had talked about in the in the previous segment in regards to um, the, the carbon, the carbon cap capture pipelines, right? So, we know that uh, you know the John Birch Society has been very active, you know, there. 
uh, but so has other organizations, uh, predominantly those that are um, more on the left, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, the Sierra Club, including. Yes, yes, and they, they've been pushing hard. Mm. Now, the John Birch Society brings a, a, um, a sense of, of, of a game plan. I mean, we've got the organization there. Well, not um, a sense, a game plan. It is. It we is, bring yeah, a full game yeah, plan. Absolutely. And, you know, there, there is a, um, an organization. I mean, we, we are organized right down to the grassroots level, you know, of, of throughout mm. all 50 states. Yeah. And so when we bring that, that, uh, that game plan in, you know, and the, and the experience with the with leadership and, and really what know what's going on with the issues. Yeah. Uh, that is extraordinarily powerful and influential. Yeah. Well, I would say what has happened in North Dakota and South Dakota was largely a result of our activism there. We pushed hard on those legislators. Yeah. We pushed hard to educate the public utilities commissioners and things like that. And it, then it came to a point where they they deny their permits. Uh, but you also know that Iowa was always a little tougher than than South right. Dakota, apparently right. North Dakota. Right. But the but it's the value of of the of the organized grassroots body that will get things done. Mm -hmm. You know. So it's very important to know how the the system of government works. Uh, the issues that are out there and what you can do about it. And that's exactly what the John Birch Society brings to the table. Yes. We are seeing, um, you know, winning battles, you know, across the country, you know, here and there. You, you, you mentioned that we had a slight setback, but again, the battle goes on. It, it is not over. It's we not do not over. give up ever. No, no, no. And, and again, we saw, we saw victories somewhat in, in South and North Dakota. We're seeing that the Europeans are finally starting to push back. They're realizing yesterday we had discussed when I had Steve Bonta on from the UAE, um, the, our top story was the fact that um, the global Nazi, the, 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 the eco-Nazis were unhappy that including the host country, they weren't buying <laughs> yes, into exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. You know? But what are they supposed to expect from a, from a country that, 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 Oil economy is <laughs> based on their on their oil. Yeah. yeah exactly. So the the thing it's 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 all a house of cards. It, yes. None of it is none of it exactly. is real. And 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 like we were wondering at the, at the beginning segment, there it's like maybe they're going to start pivoting the water because they're going to lose. They're going to lose. Reality setting in. They're yes. going to lose that. And we're going to make sure that they lose this. But we need help. Absolutely. We need yeah. help, right? Yeah. Give well, us your best pitch, Bill Hahn. So <laughs> basically, our best pitch is, is is basically what we see that we're that we're winning. Yeah, you know all of these winning battles. You know, success just brings on more success, and so we need the people to hack to, to help us. You know, bring the game plan and get things done. So Join please, the John Birch Society. Absolutely, JBS.org. Thank you very much, sir, and thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Visit thenewamerican.com for more truth behind the news. Please join us again tomorrow.